Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, March 13th, 2022. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, life is a journey. And there's a number of epic journey films that have been created over the years, films that take us for a ride as an individual or groups of uh, people travel together, and we not only journey with them, but we watch them grow along the way. From the wonderful 1939 classic, The Wizard of Oz, uh, to the numerous remakes of Jules Verne's classic, uh, Around the World in 80 Days. By the way, if you liked either the 1956 or 2004 versions, you should check out the new BBC series that has critics raving. Then there's the 1969 cult classic Easy Rider to the crazy 1981 film Cannonball Run. Who can forget the 1991 blockbuster Thelma and Louise, nominated for six Academy Awards, or the epic Lord of the Rings trilogy of films released in successive years, 2001, 2002, and 2003. And then I think one of the more underrated and understated journey films might be the 2007 film Into the Wild. Now, you can probably list a number of other films in this genre that that you have enjoyed over the years, because let's face it, life is a journey. But you know what else is a journey? Giving is also a journey. I firmly believe that giving or stewardship or generosity, call it what you will, that is also a journey. And that's what we're going to be focusing on in today's message. Welcome to the second week in our current Lenten sermon series entitled Before All Things. And during these six weeks of preparation leading up to the celebration of Easter, Christians all over the world are taking time to stop and to reflect on their relationship with Jesus. We're spending time in prayer. We're focusing on spiritual disciplines. We're asking God to reveal any area in our lives that might not be in line with what God would have for us. And so we're trying to make changes, even if it's just uh, small and uh, relatively minor. Everything matters. Well, the series will be examining generosity and the role that that plays in our lives, especially as people of faith, as we followers of Jesus uh, seek to put Jesus Christ before all things, especially giving. Now, it's true that giving is a journey. It's not something that we simply do. Being generous, uh, putting Christ before all things takes time, discipline, and it, like many other things, evolves over the course of our lifetime. Last November, I had the opportunity to participate in a six-week online course offered by the Barna Research Group, and it was entitled Accelerating Generosity. Now, it was time well spent. I was learning as a um, Christian leader what it means to be generous, how to help our church grow more deeply in this area. And one of my favorite sessions was done by Julie Bullock. She's a senior generosity strategist at Generis. Julie began her talk by showing a graph of what she called her giving journey. (laughs) And it was so captivating and interesting to me that I decided to create my own. So here's a look at my giving journey. I'm going to go over it in just a moment uh, because I'm also going to invite you over the course of the next four weeks 
to begin creating your own giving journey as well. When I was 10, I participated in a junior discipleship class at my home church at First Baptist Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, Junior discipleship class is sort of the uh, American Baptist equivalent of confirmation class in the United Methodist Church. Well, amongst the other things that I learned there was that giving was a response to God's incredible generosity to us. At age 12, I landed my first uh, regular job uh, delivering newspapers at 4 o'clock in the morning for the Arizona Republic. And then due to the influence of my parents and the junior discipleship class that I had finished, I started giving 10% of everything that I made to the church. Why? Because I learned that giving is part of what we as Christians do. When Jody and I got married, I was 22 years old, uh, and we did not have a difficult time deciding how much we should give to the church, give back to the Lord. Both of us grew up with generosity and tithing as a part of our lifestyle, so we started tithing as a couple uh, immediately. And I like to think it's easy when you're young and don't have a lot of money to get into this pattern. It's a little bit harder if you start when you have a little bit more resources, but I learned that that unity in our household giving is essential to a happy marriage. When I was 31, my granddaddy Young died and left us with a little bit of inheritance money. So we used that money, Jody and I, uh, to pay off our credit card bills. And over the past 23 years, we have never had to pay a cent of interest on our credit card. We've been able to pay off the bill every month. Uh, because of that gift that allowed us to clear off the debt that we had been accumulating as a young couple. That gift has been enough to stay out of significant debt, which then has freed up uh, more, resources, more resources for us to give uh, to others. At age 34, Jody and I purchased our first home together. Even though we didn't live in it, Jody's parents did, it was to become our retirement investment. And we knew it was important to start providing for the future, but that wasn't the end-all and be-all of our life. We trusted that God would provide for our future and, of course, be smart and make appropriate uh, plans, but, but trust that God will lead and guide us wherever we are needed to go when the time came. And as you all know, uh, that is no longer our retirement home in Hawaii. We have sold it, and we have bought a house here in Palmdale. God has led us here for at least this season in our life. When I was 41, I had the opportunity to take my first trip to the Philippines as a guest of the wonderful group Compassion International. And I was able to see true poverty for the first time in my life. It had a huge impact on me. I also saw firsthand God's heart for the poor, and the many ways that the poor can be a blessing to us as well. This compelled me to start uh, our relationship by sponsoring children through Compassion International. And in the years since, Jody and I have been sponsoring, we're up on our fourth child, not all at the same time. Some have uh, aged out because of uh, growing up, Uh, but we are working on our fourth child through Compassion. I highly recommend that program. And then finally, uh, at age 53, my Aunt Sherry died. Uh, She had asked me to be the executor of her state before she passed. And over the past year and a half, I've been shepherding uh, that process. And I've learned once again that even in our death, our lives can become a blessing to others through giving. 
So I'd like each of you to start uh, making your own spiritual journey uh, map or chart. Each week, I'm going to give you a different step that you can take in this activity uh, to begin the process. So for next week, here's what I want you to do. Start making a list of significant events or experiences in your life uh, that have revolved around money, giving, or generosity. And even if you haven't been giving regularly to the church, that's okay. Look at uh, what events have shaped your ideas about money over the course of your life. Uh, When I put my list together, I had many more uh, items and incidents uh, that happened that didn't make my final list of seven. Uh, So it doesn't matter how many you put up. What I want you to do this week is just start making a list. Jot down as many as you can think of. Begin at your childhood, maybe what your parents taught you, some of the things that you noticed, maybe with friends, jobs, and as you grew. Uh, And next week, we're going to start narrowing down that list together. Well, our, our series is examining two chapters of Paul's letter, second letter to the church in Corinth. And As we began last week, uh, we lifted, uh, Paul was lifting up the Christians in Macedonia. This is an area in the northern part of Greece. Uh, Paul had started three churches up there, and he said, these are wonderful models of giving and generosity for all Christians, especially for the church in Corinth. So we pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 8. Paul writes this. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Now, even though he had founded the church in Corinth, Paul, well, he had a little bit of a falling out uh, with the Corinthians during a previous uh, visit to the city. But they were able to patch things up, praise God. And and now we see Paul being, well, a little bit extra careful in how he uh, relates and expresses himself to the Corinthians. I'm not telling you what to do, he says in effect, but I'm um, testing the genuineness of your love, he writes. Wonderful way to phrase it, don't you think? He's walking a fine line here, right? It's not a competition. Uh, But the Macedonians are a wonderful example uh, of generous and generosity to emulate. So maybe, Paul says, maybe you can be inspired by their uh, generosity and then thereby show your genuineness of love. When I was going through the uh, Accelerating Generosity collab with Barna last fall, we had the opportunity to, as I mentioned earlier, complete this... uh, 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 generosity inventory, this survey that 80 of us uh, participated in, uh, those connected to Palmdale United Methodist Church. Well, question number two was this. What would you consider to be the ultimate financial goal in life? Great question, right? What's the ultimate financial goal in life? 30% of us said, providing for my family. 20% of us said, to be content. Another 18% said to serve God with my money, while 13% said having enough money to support the lifestyle that I want. Question number six asks this. In your opinion, what is the most important reason for Christians to be generous? 30% of us said to reflect God's character by showing God's love to others. 
and 29% of us responded with to give back in appreciation for God's generosity towards us. Well, how would Paul answer this question? Why should the church in Corinth contribute towards the collection of the poor in Jerusalem? He just told us. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Paul says the number one motivating factor for generosity as Christians should be Jesus, that he is our core motivating factor. By the way, the New Revised Standard Version uh, says this generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's that Greek word charis, again, uh, that is often translated as grace. Because of the grace of Jesus, who left his throne in heaven to come down and live and love and die among us. Because of the graciousness of Jesus' life and ministry, we have been given a tremendous amount of spiritual wealth. So how can we not respond likewise with acts of generosity to God and to others, right? Grace flows from God through us to others. From God through us to others. Paul continues in verse 10. And in this matter, I'm giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, to now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So Paul knows that the, Christ, that the Christians in Corinth started sometime last year, their collection for the mother church in Jerusalem, but it stalled along the way. Anyone else have parents who told you as a child, you know, good intentions aren't enough, right? It's not enough. It's a great start, but it's not enough. You have to be able to follow through with those good intentions. That's what Paul is saying here to the church in Corinth. Now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. God doesn't ask us to give what we don't have. Some of us may be thinking that, well, in order to give to the church, you have to fulfill a minimum contribution level, that God has standards of what's considered an acceptable gift. And and, and that may not be where we are right now financially in our lives. So so we're just going to wait until we're in a better place financially, and then we'll start giving to the Lord, giving a gift that would honor God. You know, after we pay off the car, or after we pay off the mortgage on our house, or after our kids or our grandkids are out of college. Paul's saying, no, no, no. Friends, God doesn't ask us to give according to some future version of ourselves. God asks us to give according to what we have right now. Do what you can not what you can't. Question 16 in our stewardship survey asked, how much should Christians give to their home church? 28% said, as much as they are willing to give. 19% said, as much as they are able to give if they have money left over after their expenses. 18% said, 10% of their income before or after tax, which would be the Christian concept of tithing. And 13% said, enough that it is sacrificial in their giving. 
Well, remember the Macedonian Christians? They lived in a region of Greece where they were frequently attacked uh, by neighboring armies. They were more rural, and they lived in lower economic conditions. In fact, in the first two verses of chapter 8, something we looked at last week, Paul says this, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So how is it that Christians who are going through such difficult times could make such a generous gift? Well, in verse 5, Paul says, They gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Back to my Barna Collab seminar on accelerating generosity, this was the part uh, that really struck home for me. Uh, Julie Bullock's teaching, she was talking about this theology of first, right? That many of us want to give first to the Lord. We may even write our check. The first check of the month is the check that we write uh, to the church. Or, or maybe as soon as our direct deposit uh, comes into our bank account, uh, the first electronic payment that goes out is the commitment that we've made to the church. Julie says that's giving to the Lord first in order. But is it also first in priority? Remember the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4? These were Adam and Eve's sons. They each were asked to make an offering to God. Abel gave the first of his livestock, the very best of his flock to the Lord. Cain gave God whatever was left over after he harvested his produce. The storyteller says that God had regard for Abel's offering, but not for Cain's. For if the eagerness is there, writes Paul, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And in terms of Cain and Abel, it's not that God likes burgers more than fruit salad. No, God knew that Abel had put him first as a priority in his life, gave God the very best that he had. Giving like Cain is when we give God whatever's left over after we've taken out whatever else it is that we deem to be a priority in our lives. Julie Bullock says, we'll know what is a first and priority in our life because that's what actually drives everything else. Whether it comes to buying a house or sending a child to college or getting a new car. I mean, have you ever been in the situation where you're said, okay, um, we can do this. We can do this. But if we do this, we're going to have to make a few changes, right? We've all been there. And and so whenever we make big financial decisions like that, whatever that decision then shapes the rest of our finances, that decision is a driver in our lives. Julie said she acknowledges that many of us give to the church and to God. In fact, we might be giving to God first in order. It may be a regular line item in our budget. It may even be a significant amount of a line item in our budget. But if we're honest, often there's something else that is actually the driver behind our giving. I'm going to give you a quick uh, preview of what we're going to be talking about on Easter Sunday. It's from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Again, Paul is writing one of his letters to the church. This time it's the church in Colossae. He says this. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Of course, Paul is talking about Jesus, right? All things are by him, to him, through him, and for him. He is before all things, which is where we have the title for our Lenten series. The question for each of us, myself included, is are we truly putting Christ first in our lives, especially when it comes to generosity and giving? Is Jesus the driver of our finances? To be honest, I felt a little uh, a pang in my gut when Julie Bullock started challenging us in that Barna collab by saying, uh, you know, if, if we're honest, when it comes to our finances, would we say that really it is all things are by our mortgage, to our mortgage, and through our mortgage? Or all things are by our kids, to our kids, through our kids, and for our kids? Or by our savings, to our savings, through our savings, and for our savings, right? What is it that's the the driver of our finances? What is it that we first make sure is taken care of, and then everything else comes after? If we want to be people who give like Abel, if we want to be disciples who make giving to the Lord first in priority, not just first in order, then we start by saying everything in our life is by Jesus to Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. So when it comes to giving to the Lord, we can do this. But some things are going to have to change. When we're able to say that, then Jesus becomes the driver in our priority, in our generosity. We don't give whatever we feel like, or we don't give whatever's left over after we've paid the rest of the bills Now, it doesn't have to be the biggest expense of our lives, right? That's going to probably be our mortgage. But we need to choose the amount that we want to give first to the Lord and then everything else afterwards. Things may have to change, but we can do this. And I know it's a difficult thing to hear. If you're feeling a bit uncomfortable then yes, you are hearing it correctly because that's exactly how I felt when I first heard it last fall and started thinking about my own life and my own giving priorities. But listen again to what Paul says to the church in Corinth. And in this manner, I'm giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So Paul's basically saying, give what you can, not what you can't, but work towards putting God first in your priority, and then make the necessary adjustments in all the other areas of your life. That's what Jesus did. 
right? That's what the Macedonian Christians did. And Paul was challenging the Corinthians, and I dare say us, to do the very same thing. Before all things. That's what we want to be doing as Christians, right? To put Jesus before all things in our life. We want Jesus to be the driver of the decisions we make, including our finances. Do what you can, not what you can't, but recognize that giving is a journey. And just a reminder, your homework for next week, think about, start writing down those significant moments, events, experiences in your life that have revolved around money, giving, generosity, and stewardship, the good ones, and maybe the not-so-good ones, right? We can learn from both of those as well. And, and list as many as you can. You don't have to go in any deeper in this exercise than simply this, and we'll get to the next step next week. My brothers and sisters in Christ, in this season of Lent, as we seek to not only draw closer to Jesus, but to put him before all things in our lives, may we remember how much God loves us, how much God has already blessed us through his love and sacrifice and grace. Jesus has given so much to each one of us. And may we begin to make the necessary adjustments in our life that can start aligning our faith with our actions before all things. It's a journey. It's definitely a journey. Amen.